This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I think it's uh, it's a little bit more on us than it was on them. I mean, they played, a, they were hungry, obviously, losing seven in a row. And I think that we started good, and then somehow, um, instead of five on three, we, we started uh, inviting them in the game a little bit. And... Uh, you can't do that in this league. Any time that you can get a little time off in this league, players readily take it. They can take a breath here and say, you know, the last 24 hours have sucked, but we are like 20 and 11, so if we can do our next 31 games like that, uh, I'll be happy with that. So, you know, it stings a bit going into the break the way we are, but it's a good time for us to reset. No doubt about it. Not... The greatest couple of games for the Tampa Bay Lightning in terms of wins and losses. And last night's game probably inflated a bit by the empty net goals. But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. the Lightning, I don't think doing the things they want to do these last couple of games. There were some good spurts. And partner, I think you made some interesting observations. that The Lightning, I don't want to put words in your mouth, didn't have a, a poor game. Maybe actually carried play a bit more than Detroit in the game last night. But it's all about results. And I know... We often talk about process sometimes over the outcome. I, I probably push back when I hear the team talk more about that because this this is sports and you're supposed to win or lose. And I understand the process. Usually if you do it well, you win. But sometimes you don't and you still need to come out with a win. That's just how it, it goes. But I, I think the Lightning, the last two games, let's put it this way, probably uh, disappointed in not only the results but Maybe how they play during certain stretches mm-hmm. of those games. Yeah, like we talked about after the Toronto game, it's not just what one team does, it's what both teams are doing. And can one team capitalize on the other side's mistake, basically? Or is one side forcing the other side into mistakes? So no team plays in a vacuum. Having said that, and this is my opinion. I don't know that John Cooper agrees with it or not, but I felt in the Lightning Maple Leafs game, it was more what the Maple Leafs were doing as opposed to the Lightning fumbling the ball, essentially. Last night, what was it? Belmar said, you know, we kind of gave it to them. However, he, he phrased it. Our mistakes. I think last night was more the Lightning's mistakes. Now, look, Detroit took advantage, and there's something to be said for that. But that's how you win a game. We'll call it 5-4, two empty netters in there. That's how you win a game 5-4 when you get outpossessed and outshot and probably outchanced as well. There were key moments in the game last night when the Lightning could have taken control and they didn't. And while you pointed out during the broadcast as well, Greg, that the Red Wings kind of gift-wrapped a couple of plays for the Lightning and the Lightning took advantage, the opposite was also true. And, look, we haven't said this very often, the Lightning needed a save in the third period and the the 5-3 goal, they didn't get that save. It happens. Brian Elliott's been outstanding this year. He won seven in a row. And... Prior to last night's game, maybe the one goal you might say was that Dylan Cousins goal in Buffalo, which ironically was also in the third period of a game that gave the Sabres a lead. Then the Lightning, of course, rallied and won the game in overtime. But Elliott has not really had many of those types of goals. But that one one was a kick to the gut, as well as the one that made it 4-3, which was not a missed save, but it was a turnover where, you know, he tried to play it to Sergachev and, and that was a good play by Valeno to jump in the way and steal it, but it was still essentially an unforced turnover by the Lightning. So they made some some costly mistakes during the game last night that hurt them, and they had some opportunities to grab that game by the throat that they let slip through their fingers which is why I think as compared to the Toronto game, last night's result was more on, not that Detroit didn't earn it, I'm not saying that, but comparing the two games, I thought the Lightning had way more of a role in why they lost than in the game in Toronto, where the Lightning could have played a great game against the Maple Leafs and still might have fallen short. That's how well the Leafs played. Detroit didn't play as well as Toronto did. 
in the game last night. But they were very opportunistic, and they made some big plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think also, too, it was probably a product of the defense not being great and at times. And the goaltending, I think, in the game against Detroit, uh, the first couple of goals, not much I think Elliot could do. I no. think you and I discussed He was this very before. good in the first two periods. For sure. I'm just For isolating sure. the third period. Yeah, no, no doubt. But I, I think when we talk about collectively how good the goaltending has been, maybe not as great as what we had seen in that game against Detroit. What's interesting, too, I felt like the game in Detroit, there were some opportunities there when Detroit turned the puck over and the Lightning capitalized, as I mentioned to you during the broadcast, where you probably felt like the Lightning would be able to come away with points. I think that was the thing that was interesting these last two games. It's not necessarily that they lost, although I think anytime the Lightning lose a couple of in a row, that can be a problem. Not in terms of panicking, but I think fans look at it and say, wow, what happened? It was more of, I think the Lightning, usually in those instances, have opportunities to pick up points, even when they aren't playing particularly well, and they didn't. I think that's probably what surprised me the most, outside of Mm -hmm. maybe some pockets of, of poor play or what they didn't do, that the Lightning usually find ways to get points in games like this when they're not at their best, and they didn't, and I thought that was a surprise. Well, the stats bear that out, that they have done very well in, in games that enter the third period tied, at least to get a point out of it. And they've only had one game where they only got a point, the game in which they lost to Carolina in a shootout. Every other game that, that has gone to overtime, they've won. So last night was 3-3. They had scored the third goal, the Colton goal, following that turnover by Adam Ernie. And they were starting the third period with a clean sheet of ice in the power play. With a chance to, that was one of the opportunities I was talking about. Yes. A chance to go up 4-3 in the first couple of minutes of the third period, and it was probably their quietest power play of the four that they had. Phil doesn't like starting a period on the power play. Right. He has said that. He doesn't feel like people say, well, the clean sheet of ice. He doesn't feel that that is really an advantage for the power play side. Also, you start at center ice as opposed to in the offensive zone. But I think you'd rather start the third period on the power play than not, right? Or start on the penalty kill. And that was one opportunity. And then the one that Coop and the players talked about post game, the long five on three. They could have made it two or even three nothing at that point early in the game. They were all over Detroit in the opening right. minutes. They outshot the wings eleven to nothing. Now six of those shots came during the five on three with one shot on on the five on four. They had five on the five on three. Yeah. And Billy sure. Huso played well, but I mean you heard my interview with Jeff Halpern. I kinda asked him, you know, well you got a lot of shots and Stamkos had some looks on the five on three and his basic point was <laughs> like what you just said about results, that's what he kind of came down on. He said, you get it. He called it a two-minute five-on-three. He said, you get a two-minute five-on-three. You got to get the job done. You got to score. He said, you know, they had a couple of clears. There were a couple of rebounds that didn't go our way. There was one, I think, off a face-off. The Lightning won the draw, but it somehow came to Detroit and, and right. quickly, and, and they got it down the ice. So it's kind of like the stars didn't align quite properly for the Lightning on the five-on-three, but I think Halpy felt they could have done more with it, and they needed to score, and they didn't. And what we heard from Coop after the game, Greg, was that that seemed to affect the bench, that they sagged a little bit, and Detroit got a lot of momentum from that. And then the Wings got a power play, and they were very dangerous on their first power play. They had five shots of their own, and that changed the whole complexion of the first period. So you look at opportunity squandered, the five-on-three in the first period, power play to start the third, and in between those two opportunities on special teams the lightning had the bulk of the possession i would really say through the second period they did not have it in the first after they they outshot the wings 11 to nothing but they weren't able to grab the lead they had a pretty decisive advantage in the second period if you look at it they held the red wings to only 14 shot attempts in the second period right they probably had about 70 percent of the five-on-five possession in the second period. But they weren't able to to score more than one, and at that point they were down by one. So I thought that was a little bit of an opportunity missed. 
For sure. And, you know, when you take a look at Detroit, and I think probably like Toronto in some capacity, partner, I think it was a situation where those two teams were probably up for that game for several reasons. And I think for Detroit, well, again, I don't think they were great. They were looking for some positivity anywhere Mm. because I think they were struggling. I think they probably had this game circled. This is what now two games where they've defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, for them that's a big deal. And you know, Derek Lalonde. I think I read his quotes before the game. He looked at it and said, you know, look, they're the Lightning are coming playing maybe the best hockey in the league. So this is about what we need to do to get ready for the win, uh, potentially. And I, I think at the very least, he had the Red Wings ready to play. Um, they Did he though? Perfect. I, I don't mean, think they, they were came perfect. out of the gates. They got out shot eleven nothing. Struggling for sure, no doubt about it. I mean, but we've talked about that though. Yeah, where you know teams can come out really well, and then another team's going to push back a little bit. I think where the Lightning probably looking back on the Detroit game probably didn't do enough with the momentum they created in that first period, particularly yeah. the first 10, 12 minutes. If if that makes sense, because I think he's. I think Lalonde was hoping his team would come out. I think John Cooper had his team ready to go, uh, especially offensively considering what happened against Toronto where they, they kind of struggled. And I think once things calmed down and the Red Wings got over that eventual wave of momentum maybe that the Lightning had created, I think once the Lightning didn't build on what they could have potentially I don't want to say it was deflating, but certainly you felt like maybe they could build a little bit more. And they didn't. Yeah, and that was one of the keys to why they lost the game. They had a chance to grab this game by the throat in the first period. And for a team that had gone 0-4-2 in their last six, talking about the Red Wings, you get them down 2 or 3 nothing. that's going to feel like a mountain to climb. And credit Huso. He made some saves. The Lightning maybe didn't execute on the five-on-three, according to the guy who runs the power play, quite as well as maybe he would have liked. And the Wings said, all right, doors open here. We kind of withstood that five-on-three. Let's see if we can push back, and they did. They deserve credit for that. The other the other big swing, and Eric Erlinson had this in his his article today, which I think he's right, the Kalorn goal late first put the Lightning up 2-1. to one. If they get out of that period up 2-1, to one, I think maybe this game does have a little bit of a different feel to it. Maybe not. We can't go back and rewrite history and know what would have happened had it been 2-1. to one. But the Wings scored essentially in the next shift. It was a little more than a minute later, but I think it might have been the next shift or, or the shift after the next shift into the final minute of the period. Those are like two no-nos. You don't want to give up a goal in the shift after a goal, whether you scored it or the other team did, and you never want to give up a goal in the last minute of a period. And both happened there. That was a big goal for Rasmussen and got the wings back to 2-2. They probably went into the locker room after one saying, we did a lot of good things after the first wave there, but boy... 2-2. 2-2. We could have been... We were down twice. We got this thing level. And the Lightning are probably saying, how is this game 2-2? Yeah. Even though they gave up chances in the middle part of the first period. No doubt. No doubt. I think... The Lightning did, I think, a lot of things they wanted to do collectively in that game i think generating the scoring chances if john cooper is going to look at some positives from last night's game that certainly would come to the forefront and i think you're right i mean i think uh, whatever conversations they had between toronto and detroit and it might not have been that much other than you know, look, we need to rebound and, and have a better outing here. And a different opponent. And a different opponent, which helped. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. Nobody's going to confuse these Red Wings with uh, the New Jersey Devils of uh, yesteryear when they were you know, locking you down. But you still need to generate chances, and then ultimately you need to finish. And I, I thought the Lightning, again, this was 
uh, a very close game score-wise late in the game. You don't count the two opportunities there when you talk about the empty netters. But I, I think John Cooper probably looked at it and said, you know, in a quiet room, a little bit of a, a missed opportunity to pick up points. Whether we deserve to win or not, you know, we can certainly have conversations about that. But I think an opportunity where even though, even though they didn't play their best, it was an opportunity to munch some points. They didn't get that, and I, I'm not sure what to make of it other than probably the break comes at a good time, and we should let our audience know. I'm sure they know by now there will be no game tomorrow in Buffalo. Yeah, and this storm is spreading. The concern for the storm is spreading beyond Buffalo because I saw Detroit. The Red Wings were supposed to play at Ottawa on yep. Friday. That game is now postponed. I saw Syracuse was supposed to play at Rochester, which is only an hour away from Buffalo, so I guess it's not shocking. But that game was postponed. So this is a monster storm. I'm glad we're we're back in Florida where it's going to be unseasonably cold as well. Yep. <laughs> but I don't think we're going to be dealing with blizzard conditions <laughs> and whatever they were saying, 60, 70 mile an hour winds, which would have been the concern about trying to get out of there. No doubt about it. In an airplane, I'm talking about. No doubt. And we're glad you're back home, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that would have been... You know, it's funny. I, I was kind of in John Cooper's camp where I didn't realize how big of a storm was headed that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did John Cooper say that? I missed that. I saw a quote comment. where as somebody was asking before when he got a call from Julian Breeze, I said, hey, this game on Friday may be canceled. And, you know, Coop's basic answer was, you know, I've been so focused on Detroit, I, I had no yeah. idea until somebody told me. I you know? knew that they were expecting, and maybe it's still happening, a fairly significant storm in, like, Minnesota and Wisconsin, which wouldn't have affected the lightning in Detroit. They would have been out of Detroit before the weather came in, and Detroit's the east of, obviously, Minnesota and Wisconsin. I was not aware that Buffalo was expecting a blizzard, but there you have it. So the game is now moved to March the 4th. The league has had, I guess we would say, unfortunately, a lot of experience moving dates around the last couple of years. So it's not something they are unfamiliar with. And what they did was the Lightning get an extra back-to-back because the game on Sunday, March the 5th, is at Carolina at 3 o'clock. So now they have an Another game on Saturday, March the 4th, at Buffalo at 12.30. As back-to-backs go, that one's not too terrible because, you know, you're going to be playing the game and getting into Carolina at a reasonable hour. Right. Even though you're playing the next day at 3 o'clock. But the Sabres already had a game on March the 4th at 12.30. They were supposed to play the Flyers. So it's not as simple as just saying, well, let's move this lightning game to a date that would work for the lightning. They have to move the lightning into a spot that can work for the lightning, but now you're displacing another team. So they had to find another date for Flyers at Sabres that would work for the Sabres, so they had their arena, and Philadelphia's a little closer to Buffalo than Tampa is, but they had to find a date that would work for both of those teams, which they did in fairly early January. So it's not always as easy as just like moving the pieces around on a checkerboard, right? Sure. I mean, now the Flyers, and I don't know how much of a pain in the rear end this is going to be, but like they probably had their hotel booked in Buffalo for March the 4th or the 3rd or whenever they were getting in. I think they were actually supposed to be playing were they playing at home i think they 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 lost one back-to-back they got another one so it was either they were playing at home on the fifth or they were playing at home on the third either way that hotel reservation is now scrapped and they have to make sure they can get into buffalo to their hotel and the game is going to be played now in like three weeks yep but the league kind of like drops that on their lap they're like okay this is when you're playing good luck and it's up to the team operations person, the travel person, to to make that happen. That's Ryan Bellick's job with the Lightning. Yeah. For I sure. would say that is an unenviable position. But, I mean, he's very good at it. 
to do it, you got to love it. I would be stressed out beyond belief. Well, and I think I was talking to Steve off air now, puts the lightning in a position, what, later now, as you were saying, in the year 2023, where they've got multiple, what, Saturday, Sunday yeah. <laughs> games back to back. You know, and uh, that can be a little bit of a But challenge, you know what, so. Greg? Like, right now, maybe we'll be singing a different tune when late February, early March rolls around. But the way these last two games have gone, it might be not a bad thing that they're they're getting a break. Yeah. Would you agree? We'll oh, remember this conversation in early March. I think for a team that's been, I mean, look, Sergachev maybe a little banged up, Sorelli a little bit banged yeah. up. I mean, I think anytime, because look, if if the narrative is going to be over the last couple of years that the Lightning have played a lot of hockey and that maybe at some point the legs start to give out a little bit and rest becomes maybe the biggest obstacle or something that they need to obtain year in and year out because they've played so much hockey over the last couple of years, then you would agree with that saying it's never a bad time to have, what, how many days off? Four? Until their next game. When's their next well, game? Well, it's a week. So it's, it's a right? week. It's so the 28th. An, it's the 28th. Yeah. So they've got six days. So if you do believe that, that this is a team that's played a lot of hockey, that rests sometimes is better than playing every other day for a team like this, then yes, you would agree with it. I, I think recharging probably isn't a terrible idea. Would you have loved to have gotten a win or two before heading into this extended break? Probably. But I think for a Lightning team, you don't necessarily worry about how they're going to react with a long layoff. I think you just kind of look at it and say, okay, here's the situation. Rest up. I think you guys understand what you need to do to get this thing situated and rectified. And then let's come back and be recharged. Because I, I do think they have what appears to be a, a few guys here banged up a little bit. And this probably comes at a, at a decent time. I would agree with you on that. I'm not sure if the, the coaching staff believes it. They, they may want to get back out there and, and earn some points, but I think this probably comes at a good time. Yeah, and I think Coop has the big picture in mind. Now that we are hitting this break, I mean, what was his quote? We're 20-11, technically 20-11-1. They've played 32 games. So if we can do that again in the next 31 to 32, they'll be in excellent shape. So when we started the season with that game at Madison Square Garden, and we yeah. would have said, you know what? Heading into Christmas, 32 games, you would have won 20 of them. Would yep. you take that? I think you and I would would be at the front of the line saying, yes, please. We'll take For that. Sure. So the Lightning have put themselves in a good spot. little speed bump here the last couple of games. Different games, though. Like you, you brought up a good point, Greg, that in the Toronto game, they had trouble generating scoring chances. Against Detroit, they generated plenty of scoring chances. They had some mistakes that proved to be very costly as far as allowing goals. They made some mistakes against Toronto, too, but Vasilevsky was able to erase most of those mistakes. Yep. It didn't happen last night. Be that as in May, two different games, but they both end in regulation losses. You want to stop this. You want to nip it in the bud. You don't want to be dealing with an 0-4 and 2 stretch or worse which is what Detroit just went through. And Detroit went from basically right with the Lightning, if you remember, when they beat the Lightning, I think they pulled into a tie in points during the Lightning's homestand. And then since then, right. yeah, the Lightning went 5-0, and right? And then yep. they lost two. And Detroit went 0-4-2, and there's a huge gap between the teams. So, like, these, these winless skids can drop you like an anchor. In the standing. So the Lightning want to end this skid in their next game. And they do get the next three at home before it's going to be a pretty road-intensive January. And then, like Steve mentioned off-air, with this extra game getting added in, like February into March is going to be busy hockey time for the Lightning. But you can't control Mother Nature, so... That's where we are, and, you know, they got a game added to their schedule in the second half. It's a good point, and we'll see how that plays out. And like we said, rest is never a poor thing here when we're talking about the Lightning and where they are. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can do just that. We do have some tweets coming in. Uh, regarding the game and what happened last night. This one comes from our good friend, 
Basil, let's face it, that was not a good effort by Elliott. He's been a terrific backup, but last two games have been leaky. Giveaway goal was atrocious. No look pass from behind the goal. Could have seized control of the game with the power play to start the third, and they just didn't establish possession. Well, I don't know about the last two games. He had two really good starts during the homestand. Yep. Or is he talking about the last two games by the Lightning or the last two starts by Elliott? When you read that, I thought he meant the last two games by Elliott, but uh, I, I you might be right. Okay. I took I took that as a you know for sure last game. You know, right. Whether you want to yeah the, the last game two games played by the Lightning, they didn't play well enough in either game really to to win. Different reasons as we talked about. Elliott's year has been very good. And Basil yep. was right about that. Elliott's game last night was actually, I thought, quite good through 40 minutes. The Larkin goal, <clears throat> excuse me, the Larkin goal in the second period is a goal that most goalies, unfortunately, if you're the goaltender, <laughs> they're going to allow that goal. If you're going down in your butterfly, I know mm -hmm. it's a short side goal, but that's, that's over the shoulder. I mean, when you go down in the butterfly, unless you're, you know, 6-11, you know, the top of the net is going to be open. Right. And Larkin put it in the perfect spot. Now, his third period goal was one Elliott would want back. But you think about the goals that went in in the first two periods, like the Lightning just had a comedy of errors on the first goal against. started with a face-off loss coming out of a TV timeout. One point, one of their guys lost or broke a stick. They They you know, were mishandling pucks. I mean, Elliot made it two or three saves during that sequence before Ole Mata scored. Where's Mata? Mata's standing at the side of the net. And actually, right before that, it was a turnover behind the net. Hedman tried to pass it to Perbix, and it was intercepted. Right. Who intercepted it? Suter intercepted it and then threw it in front to Ole Mata. That was not an Elliot. And then the Rasmussen goal is a perfect tip. So to me, the three goals that Elliott allowed in the first two periods were not on him, and he did a lot of really good work to make other yeah. saves. The third period, though, was a different story. And I think he would like both of those plays back. Yeah. The one where he played the puck that got turned over and went into an open net. Not an empty net, but an open net. And then, and then the Larkin goal that got underneath him. So it is, uh, Basil, I appreciate the response. Elliot has been very good as a backup. And uh, going back and reading his, his tweet here, the last two games, he's talking about him being pretty leaky. So Okay, yeah, I disagree. Maybe he's thinking yeah. of that Buffalo game, which, look, he gave up a softy to Cousins. It didn't end up hurting the Lightning, and he was very, very good for the rest of that game. But I think if we look at his season as a whole, how many soft goals has he allowed? Yeah, I definitely can't. less than five. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of any. He, let's put it this way. I, I don't remember <laughs> one as soft as the one that Matt Murray gave up in the overtime. <laughs> the first time the lightning and leaps. Yeah. And, you know, see, I thought that was a, a pretty softy. Maybe if there's one that, that people want to compare that one to, you can quantify that as one. But you're right. I mean, off the top of my head. Well, the Larkin goal and the Cousins not, goal yeah. are two. But I, I'm not really remembering many others that are glaring. Nothing that would get me concerned. You know, if this continues to be a trend, then, you know, we'll probably take a look at that a little bit more. But I, yeah. I give Elliot the benefit of the doubt on Yeah, he's earned that. Those. I think he has. I think that's fair. I mean, you get seven straight wins from your backup. Yeah. You, should really, you shouldn't be in a position to be complaining about the backup goalie. No. No, and that's you know not to suggest that uh, Basil was, but I think it was it was fair maybe to point out you know where where Elliot's game has been in particular the last one compared to where it's been previously. Mm -hmm. Doug says, guys, what happened to Sorelli? Any word on his injury at all? Well, he came back. I couldn't yeah. tell during the broadcast because it wasn't obvious. Yeah. But Ian Cole is holding the puck in at the blue line offensive zone yep and he chips it to Sorelli who's standing at the circle along the boards and Sorelli goes to glove the puck down and just missed so it hit him in the face 
he probably needed to get some stitches. I saw a, a shot of him on the bench later, and he had um, it looked like his lip was affected a little bit. Now maybe the fan is asking about later in the game when Cider checked him and he kind of went off awkwardly. That was thirteen minutes into the third period. Yeah, he played after that. I'm fairly certain he played after that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. He I played almost right. 15 minutes, and he, he he missed, what was it, what we say, the second half of the first period. So, yeah, he came back out and played after that was, hit yeah. from Mo Sider. So I, I think, you know, we talked about the time off and where it's going to benefit certain players. I, I think in that particular instance, it, it may be okay and, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, let's see Some guys point. got... Got banged up a little bit last night. I mean, Sorelli certainly pucked to the face and then that awkward check. And Nick Paul was like a magnet for pucks in the first period. Like, he had four block shots. Every one of them hurt him. You remember the one where he could barely get off the ice? He was in pain. Yeah. There was no doubt about that. He was in pain, and the the puck, just to your point, just kind of followed him. (laughs) That's got to be a tough feeling. Uh, this question comes from Nick. He says, has Victor Hedman replaced Sergachev on the first power play unit? Well, right now he has, but I don't know that any of this is permanent. Is there anything permanent outside of Vassy? <laughs> being well, the, I think that's... the line combinations have proven <laughs> to be more permanent. Yeah, Like when Coop sees something he doesn't like, he'll mix them up. And I thought Nemetsnikov showed pretty well in an elevated role last night. Looked like maybe he's starting to get more confidence in his game. Having said that, he only played 11-48. Yeah. So it's not like he played a ton. But he was promoted, essentially, as the Lightning had a hybrid of the lines following the Toronto game based on where they started before the Toronto game. But we may see Sergeyev back on the top unit. Both guys, I think, have done pretty well. I mean, the Lightning have had a good power play. Last night it hurt them, but they came in tied for fifth in the NHL in power play percentage. And whether it's been Sergachev or Hedman, I think both guys have have helped the power play produce. Whoever's not in the first unit then plays on the second unit, and the second unit has gotten some goals as well. It has. You know, you know, speaking of like that secondary scoring, it was good to see Colton and Kalorn score last night, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how many games Kalorn had gone without scoring. It felt like it had been a while. And it was just, it was good to see him get rewarded. He can be streaky. Yeah, it might have been so the Toronto game that you were just talking about. Yeah, he you're right. He can be streaky, so that's, that's not unusual. But that doesn't mean uh, it's not welcome when he can score. I mean, this is somebody that can hit 20, as, as we know. And I think Ross mm-hmm. Colton, too, partner. You know, we talk about that third and fourth line scoring that depth scoring I I thought for Colton's sake I think he is somebody that I was thinking about this the other day I I think there's some intrigue with him potentially down the road maybe being in a top six because of a shot and I I think until that happens he's somebody that can add great value in the goal scoring department as somebody who has a really good shot that can be a threat to score and so when I saw him score again last night Mm -hmm. That was a a positive development because I think he's somebody that can generate in addition to a few other guys they have down there. But I I think he is somebody with that shot and feistiness that he can be somebody that can string some goals together. And he has some nice finish in front of the net. Not just like when you say the shot, he scored from the circle. He can shoot pucks in from beyond the hash marks, essentially. Right. But last night when Ernie fumbled the puck, like that was a nifty finish by Colton. And we've seen him have great success, not this year because the Lightning have only been in one shootout, but who scored the only goal for the Lightning in that shootout against Carolina? It was Ross Colton. So he's had some success in the shootout as well. So he can finish from right in front of the net as well as score from farther out. Yeah, for sure. And... You know, that, that one-timer I think we've seen from him has been, you know, impressive. It's just a, a matter of getting those opportunities and taking advantage of, yeah. of them when, when you get it. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can do 
just that. This one comes from John, kind of similar to what we've been talking about. Greg, what do you think the layoff will have in terms of an effect on Tampa Bay when they do return? I think it's going to help them, but that's just a guess mm-hmm. with the fresh legs and kind of a reboot. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I, I think when you take a look at where this team is and how many games they've played, I think anytime too you you lose a couple and you have a, some time off, I think in sports in general, partner, the narrative is usually, well, I think that's, I think it's good to t- kind of get away a little bit and and break from what's happening. So you know whether that whether that's true or not, sometimes that is always the narrative when a team is maybe struggling a little bit here, but. The Lightning always, and by always, it it feels like it is always. It it isn't always. I mean, we go back my time with the Lightning. I'm sure it hasn't been every year. But the Lightning always seem to play Montreal at home right after Christmas, right? (laughs) It's usually on the 28th or the 27th. This year it's on the 28th. And I know that we have talked about this in years past, Greg. Not just with this game after Christmas that invariably comes at home against Montreal, but after other breaks, whether it's after the bye week or last year it was the Olympic break where it wasn't an Olympic break, but the teams had games to play while the Olympics were going on. The Lightning didn't have many because they only had, what, three games postponed that they made up. But I know the fans have asked us about this. In years past, the Lightning not come out of the gates well after we'll call it an extended layoff there was that one game a few years ago remember against montreal where they were getting hot shot what 17 to nothing in the first 10 minutes of the game they ended yep. up winning that game that would have been the year that they that was the 1920 season that was the start of their 23 2 and 1 run that might have been the second game because they beat florida going into christmas in blowout fashion and then they had that game against montreal which 10 minutes into it the shots were 17 nothing they were down two nothing and remember last year they played in denver not in the final i'm talking about in the regular season that was their first game during the olympic break and they started horrendously in that game too, where it was similar. It was two nothing, and it was like shots were fourteen to nothing or something like that. Yeah. So we'll see if they have a better start when they resume play next week. Against if not, I'm sure the, the fans will be reminding us again about how the Lightning tend not to come out of the gates well after a break. But that is that is a little bit of a theme, isn't it, for the audience? Yeah, I mean, I guess well, they're seeing little, it. They're seeing it's a trend. it. They're commenting on it. Yeah, yeah. it's a trend. It, it could be a trend. So but that's going to be I three games in, in four nights. So all at home. Lighting have, Lighting have quite a few back-to-backs this year with both games at home, which once in a while we'd see that. I think it's more frequent this year. And one of them, when it happens, it's usually in this after Christmas. They play the Canadians and the Rangers back-to-back, yep. which is on the schedule this year. And then they have Arizona coming in on New Year's Eve. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that question. No doubt about it. It's uh, something we're going to keep an eye on. This one comes from, let's see here, Bill. Bill wants to know, guys, what did you make of Detroit? You've seen them for two games. Are they for real? Well, they're an improved team. I, I have to be honest, though, Bill. Are they substantially better than Buffalo? Are they substantially better than Montreal? Are they substantially better or worse than Florida? Where's Florida? Florida lost again last night to New that's Jersey. A, that's becoming a problem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, all these teams are 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 bunched together. We mentioned it. Now, you yeah. know, some of these teams won last night, so they moved closer to the Lightning, but the Lightning still have a fairly sizable gap between themselves and the pack behind them in the Atlantic. I think that's a fair question though. Detroit has improved, but so have a lot of other teams in the Eastern Conference. You're saying specifically in the Atlantic Division. Yeah. So it may not matter that as far as getting into the playoffs, it may not matter that Detroit is better. If Buffalo has gotten better as well, and Buffalo is going to play better than Detroit. I I don't know if that's going to happen, but 
out of the two teams you just mentioned, Detroit and Buffalo, if the playoffs will start today, and of course they don't, they're not in the playoffs. Either one of them. Either one of them. Yeah. Now, the Devils are, because we have talked about how good of a start they were on. Look, they're, their last 10, they're 3-5-2. and two. They're right there with Carolina in first place in the Metro. I don't, I don't know if that's going to last, to be honest, but we'll, they have shown a little bit more than Buffalo, I think, in Detroit. Although, look, Detroit, to their credit, they've, they've knocked off the Lightning twice. Does that tell us anything? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. You know, maybe the uh, their play has improved. I think it, it's a valid point that you make. But does do we think that Florida is going to be in this situation? Where I don't know. Four points out of a playoff spot. I don't 10 know. Games Greg. From now? I don't yeah, know. they maybe. they have not had a good first half. They have they have underwhelmed in the first half, and maybe it's reasonable that they are where they are because they've had to integrate some some significant changes or they've had to adapt to some significant changes and integrate some new players but the question was about Detroit so so here is what I think about Detroit Vili Husso has given them good goaltending but let's not forget Vili Husso got pulled from the starters net last year in the playoffs so is he the long-term answer for Detroit Maybe, maybe not. I think that's a reasonable question. Most Sider deservedly won the Calder Trophy last year. He is having a sophomore slump. Now, maybe it's that he and he's played a lot with Ben Sherratt this year as a veteran guy. Maybe they're just getting the hardest matchups. But heading into last night's game, the plus-minus differential, and this is one of these instances where the plus-minus does tell you something, you have Mo Sider, right-handed defenseman, and Philip Hironik, right-handed defenseman. I want to say the plus-minus differential between those team between those two players was like twenty-four. Yeah, like Hironik was plus thirteen and Sider was minus eleven on the same team. That's hard to do. So, do I think Mo Sider is a tremendous player? I I do, but. He's still a young player playing a really hard position, and it's been a little bit of maybe a splash of cold water in his face this second year. Things are not coming as easily for him. He's not he's not sneaking up on anybody, and it, like people know him. It's like Sider's on the other team. He is not having the same kind of success in his second year that he had in his first year, and maybe that's part of the growing pains of a, of a young player, but... Like when when you ask me what do I think of them this year, like Cider is not playing as well as he did last year, even though the team around him may be better. One guy who I've been very impressed with, and he didn't really jump out at me in previous years, is this Rasmussen. This guy is a really good player. A couple of goals last night, right? He scored yeah. and one into an empty net, but he yeah, scored right. in both games against the Lightning with a goalie in the net, as well as one into an empty net. I think they got a really good player in him. And I mentioned Hironic. This has kind of been a coming-out year for Hironic, who's been a good player, but I think he has elevated his game this year. So I think Detroit has some moving parts. They're kind of trying to figure some stuff out. The changes that the Red Wings made, or the new players to the Red Wings this year, are mostly, I say mostly, Veteran guys that Steve Eisenman brought in to help their young core. David Perron, Ben Sherratt, Oli Mata. I mean, you can go down the list, right? I mean, they have the Soderblom, who's a young player. Kubalik is another one. They brought him in. He's got he's got quite a bit of, of NHL experience. They're high in this Bergeron, who scored against the Lightning in the first meeting. He was a little quieter last night. So, I mean, they have some younger players who are on their team. Cop is another one, a veteran guy they brought in. That's the way you do it, right? You don't just want young players. So, we'll see. But I don't think Detroit right now is like New Jersey. Like in the Metro, you would say, what team has just lived up to maybe the preseason hype and exceeded it? New Jersey. Has Detroit done that? I don't think so at least not through almost half a season. You know, what's interesting about their goaltender, Huso, 
it's I, I do there was a lot of talk about him being the guy in St. Louis for a while. I, I do distinctly remember that. I mean, as mm-hmm. as a goaltender who had some opportunities when he played, performed really well. And they traded him, Greg. So they made a choice. They did. Our ways. They decided to put their chips on the Bennington side of the table. Which is fine. I mean, that that's the decision they made. But I, yeah. I felt like before that all developed that Huso, when he had some opportunities, even when Bennington was there, he was very, very solid. And I think, wasn't he poised to be the starter at some point? And then Bennington kind of came in and was... In the playoffs. Was the guy. Yeah, yeah was the guy. Yeah, they struggled against Minnesota. They were down 2-1 in the series, and they went to Bennington. Yes. So I feel like... And then you know, Bennington got hurt against Colorado, and Huso came in and, and played the end of that series. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. So I think it's interesting... There is a potential there for their goaltending, I, I think, to be good. And it's a gamble, you know, just kind of like Nadelkovich at times. I mean, that's a gamble to go and bring somebody in from outside the organization who hasn't necessarily had a lot of opportunities to be the guy, but you see some some opportunities there, some growth that maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. It's probably what they're hoping for. We'll see if that plays out. Probably Buffalo's in a little bit of a, a similar scenario. We'll see if it, it pans out that way. But... I, I think Detroit has pieces, and I think the X factor in a lot of this, though, is how quickly do you think Steve Eisman can continue to build and make them a team where you don't have as many questions? Yeah, as they're going to get Vrana back soon too, and he'll he'll help them, as and well. that will help. Yeah, I think that will help. But so you got to go out and show it, and and you know sometimes are we going to call Detroit a young team? When you have all these guys I just mentioned that have a fair amount of NHL experience. Maybe. I mean, I guess I we don't could, know. we'll no. call them still a young team or a team that as a group is learning how to win after a lot of years of not winning. Like avoiding these 0-4 and 2 stretches right. is going to be a, a big factor in whether or not they can get into playoff position. Yeah, and I think sometimes too when you have superstars who are young, maybe that's where people say well they're they're typically a young team when they may not when you take a look at the 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 totality of their roster but i i think when you have superstars who who are as young as they are now look i think larkin do i think he's their best player i I don't know at this point i think he's their most accomplished Mm -hmm. but don't forget that we're talking he's a very very good player i don't know if he was the superstar generational player probably not at this point, but that's okay. I mean, he doesn't need to be a generational player. He is their captain. He is their leader. He's a top six he, guy. He showed, right? and he showed last night yet again. He can score big goals. He had a goal scorer's goal certainly in the second period. He's a very, very good player. He is, and you know there there had been some talk about him being being moved, and I think you you have to keep some veterans around when you have younger players. I mean you just do. You can't go all young. You have to have some guys there who can show some of these younger players how to be professionals in the league and I think Larkin probably is somebody not only on the ice off the ice can be maybe a, an example of that, but we'll see how it uh plays out. At Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. That was a good question about the division. And, you know, really, when you take a look at the standings today, and, and there I go saying look at the standings, even mm-hmm. though I don't necessarily like doing that, the Atlantic Division, I think, is, is turning out to be a dogfight. And I know a lot of people have looked maybe at the Metro at times and have said, all right, you know, New Jersey knocking on the door. We know how good Carolina is. The Rangers maybe starting to play a bit better. And then, you know, Pittsburgh's kind of lurking around there that there's some depth in that Metro. But I, I don't know. I think the Atlantic, what was the – the phrase that Chris Johnston used when he was describing <laughs> the division the of death. He wasn't talking about the bottom part of the division, though. He was talking about the top part of the division. The top of that division, and I, I you know, again, I, I think most people were talking about Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, but collectively, it's an improved division. I think from top to bottom, though, I think it's fair. I mean, yeah, I think Detroit's well, a serviceable team. Buffalo's better. Florida, they get their act together. I mean, you know, that's that's supposed to be a good team. Unlike you, I do not have the standings open in front of me, but I know as of yesterday, the Rangers and Islanders were the two wildcard teams. So you had five teams yes. from the Metropolitan in playoff position, only three from the Atlantic. But here's the difference between 
the Atlantic, the Metropolitan. Yep. Columbus, Philadelphia are not making the playoffs. That is now a six-team division for potentially five spots. Anywhere from three to five spots, you have six teams contending. Boston and Toronto are way ahead in the Atlantic. They are clearly making the playoffs, and I don't want to jinx anything, but, I mean, the Lightning put themselves in a very good spot. They would have to get surpassed by a number of teams. Hopefully they can avoid any kind of major skid. So right now it looks like the top three spots are, are fairly secure. You want to say the top two and, and the Lightning are in a very advantageous position in, in the third spot. But I don't know. I mean, are we willing to write off even Ottawa at this point? I'm not. I didn't even mention Ottawa as an improved team. Has Detroit improved more than Ottawa? Can we say that with absolute certainty this year from last year? Understanding Ottawa had farther to go. I, mean, I think that's is, still an open-ended question. I mean, Ottawa's just, coming off a couple of losses, but what was it a few days ago? There were two points separating five teams in the Atlantic Division. Sure. Yeah, Ottawa's got 30 points, Detroit with 35. Both okay, so they picked up the games. overtime point with the loss in Washington, then they beat the Lightning. But, look, what I'm saying is that I think that there are more teams in contention in the Atlantic than in the Metro. Washington is trying to, like, they're swimming against the current. And they're swimming really hard right now. <laughs> like they are, they fell off, and they're trying to kind of pull themselves back into the mix with with the teams ahead of them. And I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say, all right, let's include them as as the sixth team in the Metro. But I think as far as it it relates to the wild card. I'm not saying that all of the teams in the Atlantic are going to be in contention, but are we willing to write off any of those five teams at this point? Like, I'm going to write off Columbus. I think we can probably write off Philadelphia, don't you? For Philadelphia, for sure. Yeah. No and Columbus, I think they're just they're A lot of injuries. A lot yeah. of injuries. I mean, they're too far back at this point. What makes you not maybe discard Ottawa at this point? Do you just because of where they are in the standings? I like the I like players? the roster. Yeah, yeah, and they've showed so they've been they've been like a roller coaster this year. They started well, then they went into a terrific dip. wasn't terrific for them, but you mean you know what I mean by using that word. And before they lost their last couple, they had been on a really good run. Maybe they go on another run like that. I think I like their group. I mean, I think that they have they have a a very interesting roster. And maybe they just need to, like a lot of these teams, learn how to win. I think Montreal is learning how to win. Yeah, that takes. That that's probably the the next big thing. I think you're right about Ottawa. I think out of all of those teams that play the Lightning, I, I feel like Ottawa not only gives the Lightning more problems, but I I feel like they're they match up pretty well. I think they have some. They've got some elite forwards. I think. You know, on the back end, they're building, I think for them, just like a lot of those teams, it's how quickly are they going to get to that next mm -hmm. part of their development. I think if you had asked me at the start of the year, of the eight teams in the Atlantic, which team are you just going to write off right off the bat? And if you had asked me before the season started, as much as I have a high regard for Marty St. Louis and his hockey knowledge, I probably would have said Montreal, and that has proven to be false. Yeah. Montreal is having a better-than-expected season as far as the preseason expectations, I think. Caulfield's having a great year. Suzuki's having a great year. They've found some, they've found some pretty good players that have really helped them. They both have. at forward and yeah. on defense. Yeah, I think both. Does that mean they're going to make the playoffs? Not necessarily, but what I'm saying is I'm not willing to write them off and say that they have no shot. That's the difference to me. So you think 
like you were asking me about Ottawa, why wouldn't I include Ottawa as a team that I am writing off? But then you kind of said you kind of like the roster too. Do you feel that they're not gonna they're not gonna have a shot in the second half? Or? I, I mean, I feel like for them, they're close, but there's so many teams in front of them that they're gonna have to leapfrog. I think that right. might make it a challenge. And I, I again, it's it's probably me just looking at it. Do I think Florida is gonna continue to struggle? I'd be surprised if they do, but maybe maybe that's a developing story. And I think they have they have there are some other improving teams that are going to make it a little more challenging for a team like Ottawa to continue to climb the standings. They may. I I don't know if it's going to happen this year. And I think again, you know, for all the credit we gave the Devils for getting off to a quick start and and what that allowed them to potentially do down the road, I do think if you're a team right now who has I mean, at least statistically speaking, third worst record in the Eastern Conference, you've got four or five teams, maybe even a few more than that, to jump into the playoff picture. I just think that's tough to do. Okay, fair enough. I just think that's tough to do. It doesn't mean I don't like their team. I do. I will agree you. The odds are longer for them maybe than for some other teams that are slightly better in terms of their standings position. But if you were just to ask me, like, does Ottawa have no chance to get into the wild card spot in the second half of the year? I would not feel comfortable saying that. Whereas if you ask me, does Philadelphia have no chance to make up this ground? I would, I would say the, the flyers based on, on what they've shown so far and where they were kind of expected to be and the roster makeup, they're not going to, they're not going to be a factor. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but after they started what three and oh and what whatever they were like five two and one i mean the bottom has dropped out for them it's a good point and uh we'll see how it uh unfolds here in the next couple of weeks too because we'll, we'll start to see some teams maybe uh, have a little bit more separation when it comes to the standings lighting won't play again until wednesday we are going to take some time off which yeah. is going to be a, a nice little refresher we'll have maybe some uh, old uh, games this year, some W's that uh, we'll have for our audience, the Block Party podcast, maybe some clips there, and that's what we'll have planned for you guys. And, and hopefully you stay with us on till Wednesday when we, uh, we'll be back in the saddle, breaking it down. Partner, uh, plans for the holidays here? Just uh, hanging with the fam? Hanging that's with basic, the fam. Basically. Yep. And, uh, Laying low. May have to put the heat on <laughs> as we How cold are is expecting it some... How cold? They think it's going to get pretty cold. Now, look, Lowe's about 30. 30. From the north. I'm from the north. We know that cold here is different than cold, you know, up in the northeast. But by Florida standards, it's going to get pretty cold. You know, my holiday wish for you is my Christmas wish for you What's and my, your family, Greg. What's mine? Is What's health. That, buddy? I, yeah, I, I, I wish you that. health. <laughs> if everybody gets healthy. There are my no wife sniffles today. and runny noses on Christmas morning. I hope the only reason for sniffles is your daughters are devastated that they didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. As I've told my, as I told no, my, they're going to be weeping with joy. That I told my family, how do Santa you brought give... Santa brought the thing I really wanted. And you probably feel the same way when when your kids were were that age. Steve m- might be able to uh, agree with this comment, but I always tell people like, what what should we get the girls? And I say, how do you? get them something when they already have it like they have everything you could possibly imagine <laughs> what i mean what more do they need and i you know that's just but greg have you gotten to the point now where it's three days prior to christmas and they're changing their wish list oh <laughs> <laughs> of course the best part was today in the uh, we were making breakfast and uh alaria wanted i i don't know what exactly the the toy was and gianna goes well alaria maybe you ask santa claus for that and he'll bring it to you Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I you know, three days in, I don't know if Santa can get that can get that made. Maybe he can. Well, that was know. like the story I told you about my daughter when she was yeah. a little older than either of your girls, and she had her list. And the fans might remember me telling the story a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it was really an expensive gift. We're like, yeah, I don't think so. It's like, oh, that's okay. Santa can just bring me that one. <laughs> Dad, don't worry. Santa's got the credit card. He's Santa, has, Santa has the platinum card, he right? Does. He does. That's tremendous. So that's Santa sad. has no worries about cost because he has his elves. The Santa doesn't have him. to worry about inflation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he makes it. He doesn't care. My youngest uh, would come up with gifts that don't exist. 
What would he come like, up with? What was the I want one? a Kevin Kiermeyer stuffed animal of him jumping over a wall, robbing a <laughs> home run. <laughs> That's pretty good. I was like, well, I don't think they make it. Well, Santa can make it. Yeah. It's a smart yeah. point. How yeah. do you how do you respond to that? Yeah, you're right. You're right, he can. Is it wait, Kevin Kiermeyer is no longer with the race, correct? With the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays. I just feel like they I have read fences that in Toronto. Yeah. He can he can jump <laughs> over a fence in Toronto. They do. They do. They've got a border. They do. There's no doubt about that. Well, guys, I hope you have a, a great Christmas. Be with the family. Spend that time. I, I appreciate the well wishes there. And to all our, our listeners yeah, who stayed absolutely. with us, we appreciate you guys. And, and Merry Christmas to all of you. And We will be back. It's only we a week. We will. It'll take feel a step, like longer. Take a step back from hockey if you want to follow the NHL through the next couple of days. Decompress that. if you yeah, can. Yeah, take a step back and... We'll be back at it in one week. That's what we'll do. Our next show is next Wednesday, correct? Isn't that, that is what we're con- looking at? I believe that correct. is confirmed. Okay. That is confirmed. All right, boys. It was uh, fun today, and we're going to do it again on Wednesday. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Be safe. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.